Welcome to Sense and Sustainability, your podcast channel for sustainable procurement. We hope you like what you hear. Please go to www.iso2400.org for more information, learning resources, tools and much more. Welcome to Sense and Sustainability, your podcast channel for all things sustainable procurement. I'm Sean McCarthy. I'm delighted to introduce Tim Whedon for part two of two of our podcast series with him, where we understand a little more about what he's doing to upcycle IT hardware. I really like the idea of this being initially a business focused thing where, where actually, you know, you can provide something to a customer at a lower cost and you can deliver a better margin and a more profitable business. And kind of that's where it starts. And then, then, then you get all evangelical about the, about the environmental side. Can I ask you about the, the sort of supply and demand equation? I think you said <laughs> that, you know, probably not enough customers are, are actually buying your products. And, you know, you've talked about things like education establishments and small businesses being your, your key market. How does that balance work? Where are the pinch points? So you, you've got some second-hand machines coming in. Do you have enough of those? You talked about production capacity, and then you talked about demand from your customers. How, how does that balance work for you? Right. Well, if I can answer that from top topward down. Mm, yeah. Uh, because COVID, we were first few months of COVID, February, March, April, was absolutely amazing. It was our best ever months because everyone wanted laptops to go and work from home. Since then, the market has fragmented. And this is where it's a bit convoluted, but I will answer your question. People stopped buying from IT resellers. Our, our core business was IT resellers and support houses. Their market disappeared, you know, 35% loss in business because people were buying online or stuff or just were not investing. So it made us reevaluate. Yeah, we're not selling to anywhere near all the resellers in the country. But we said, there's other refurbishers out there who are, let's look at our market again. So we've started looking at, as I said, education establishments, small businesses, and end users. Now, the supply and demand from them, we're still in a sense learning. We know that the end user is going to buy online. They they think they know what they're doing. And so we're setting up a a web shop. And we've got three tiers. We've got three tiers in in our, our approach to everything. Resellers are what we call tier one customers because they will be buying 50 units a month. And so they're at a lower price level that reflects the volumes and also the amount of support they require. Then the end users, such as that bit manufacturer I was talking about, are buying 10 or 50 a year. They're on tier two, reflection of the volume and the support they did. They think, oh, Tim, you know, this machine's not doing that. So we'll either talk them through it over the phone or dial in. And then the end user is going to be buying one machine every three years. Yet yeah, it's yet another price structure, which also reflects the level of support they require. Now, this is an extreme story. Uh, it was three months ago. I sold a laptop to an individual person, and this person phoned up and was instantly at, at me. This machine's not working. My colleague who sat next to me, and he's heard this story so many times. He had actually saw it. So the track we track it on the on the couriers. Uh, he said she only got it twenty minutes ago. So I said to this customer, I said, um, "Have you charged it for two hours like we told you to?" No. Why should I have to do that? It should work straight out of the box. When you get a new phone, don't you charge that first? Oh yeah. Now, okay, it didn't take me long to sort that out but that's an extreme example we had one uh where my mistake i delivered it with windows 10 on 
they had what specified Windows 11. Okay, we were able to talk them through upgrading from 10 to 11 at no cost, and it took us 10 minutes of the phone. So we have to reflect that, that cost to us in the pricing structure. So, yeah, the supply and demand. We know what the demand is likely to be from our resellers because it's a long-established market. The end-user businesses, we get to know purely by getting to know them. So, right, that big manufacturer has 100 employees you know, in the office that use machines. Therefore, on an average, they're going to be buying 20, 30 a year. So we can work on that. End-user customers, very difficult to tell. Uh, all really depends on our marketing presence. And as I've said, you know, what I'm doing, trying to get us more widely known, firstly in the local environment, so that people say, oh, yeah, how do you get... And it, when I'm talking Kent only, it gives them a sort of comfort. You know, well, they're only just over there, so if I've got a problem, I can go to them. They don't. They pick up the phone. But there is still that human element in it. People like to know that somebody's got... You know, when you choose your accountant, I bet you go for one in the nearest town. You, you, you based, I think you're based in Yorkshire, aren't you, Sean? Uh, you wouldn't choose somebody who's in Cornwall for something like that because you want to be able to go and see them. It's a, it's a bit like that. But we want people to... The people out there who buy online who don't care where their supplier is, we want to get hold of. So we've got to change our whole internal process from where we were just doing effective tele cold calling, telephone calls to resellers. We've now got to do much more of a social media marketing things, get our name out there so that little 25-year-old so-and-so who's just starting up his own business doesn't go to PC World, doesn't go to uh, Curry's Argos uh, online, but sees us and says, they're good. They're selling refurbished. It's, it's a low-carbon footprint. It's a low price. I know it's reliable. Uh, I haven't mentioned all the way along. We offer a warranty with our products, exactly the same as manufacturer's warranty. And it's amazing because they don't actually check the machines. They just churn off the end of the production line. Ours go through a 28-point check before they go out. So we actually have a lower returns rate than the manufacturers. Yay, love it. So where do we get them from? So, yes, I started with the how it goes out, how it comes in. Banks, insurance companies, pension funds and the like, they all go on the, uh, I must have new. Great. Okay, I'm not going to stop them because them having new means the secondhand stuff coming out of the end of the cycle. And they generally lease them on three, four or five-year leases. And it's not just the financial institutions, it's bigger companies. We also get stuff that's come through the route of insolvency practitioners, which is great. So it te they tend to be on average five years old. We wouldn't, we, we can deal with stuff that's older than that, provided it's capable of running Windows 11. Because although a lot of people still don't like Windows 11, you're going to need to have your machine be capable of that. But if we've got a really particularly good one that's not Windows 11, we'll up the processor so it can be. But <laughs> repeating myself as I have done several times already. We don't want to change too much. You know, we'll upgrade the RAM, we'll upgrade the hard drive if necessary. When you start think, doing things like changing the processor, it's, as I said, it's becoming a bit like Trigger's broom. You, know, you, can't, you can't do too much. Otherwise, it's not refurbished. It's just an old case with new parts put in it, which that's not what we're about. That would be wrong. So we don't do greenwashing. And, and some people have accused us of that because we haven't got our ISO 9002. Our local authority said, oh, you must have ISO 9002. We said, why? We're one of only six Microsoft authorized refurbishers. Ah, yeah, that'll do. And that is something. There are only 40, I think, Microsoft authorized refurbishers in the whole world. 
and there's only six in the UK, and we're one of them. We think we're the best because we've spoken to two of the others, and they say, God, we couldn't do anything like you. God, the quality of what you produce, which sometimes prices us out of market because they're able to sell cheaper than us, but it's not very good. And that's the other thing. There are a lot of other refurbishers out there. And as you know, so they will just wipe the data uh, and put a damp rag over it. It gives the refurbished a bad name because they go out and people get really upset because it doesn't work. It's rubbish. It looks horrible. Okay, yeah, they paid £150 for it or £200 for it, whereas with us, they'd be paying £300, £350. But you're getting a machine that we will, we give a 12-month warranty on the standard. We will extend it to 36 months for a fee of 30 quid. Yeah, uh, but we know it's going to last for five years. It'll work for five years, provided, you know, provided Microsoft don't do anything stupid and you know, put out Windows 12 that will only work on a 13th generation process, which they won't be allowed to do, thankfully, with international government uh, controls and sanctions on them. Same as the old, uh, you've, you might have heard this more about the um, mobile phone cables. They kept changing the plugs. You know, you need a USB-C. So a USB-B and a USB won't work. On the countries, well, governments around the world are jumping on them, saying, "No, you've got to standardise it all. Everything comes out; it's got to be USB-C." And that's pretty much going to happen to Microsoft, we think, on their future operating systems. Okay, you talked about the, the sort of value equation, and and you know some refurbishers have you know, very different levels of quality. So a lot of our audience are procurement people that are interested in sustainability, and I do hope they're interested in your story. What advice would you give to somebody that was buying IT equipment? How do they need to approach the market? If they're going out to tender for for hardware, obviously what they want to do is to spend as little money as possible to have a smaller carbon footprint as possible. So the, the business case for refurbished seems to be a good one. But what do they need to what questions do they need to ask to make sure that they're actually getting the right quality? Because the procurement departments have a, a very bad reputation for, for knowing the, the price of everything and the value of nothing. So the, the worst thing you can do as a procurement professional is to say, I know I'm going to buy it back to these wonderful second-hand laptops. And although my IT department don't like it, you know, we'll do it anyway because it's going to save us a load of money. And then they don't work or there's a problem. And then you get the told you so from the IT department and you're back to doing nothing but buying you. So what advice would you give to procurement people to make sure they get this right? Well, apart from the glib answer, buy from me. Yeah, basically you, you pretty much answered it in your question. Yeah, what do you look at? Well, okay, the price. The price is significant. Will it do the job is the main factor. Now, 99% of all software will run on one of our machines. The really serious high-end stuff, maybe not. Maybe you do need specialists. Uh, well, I said we can put quad-core processors on, which will do pretty much everything. But yeah, will it do the job? Now, I went through a period earlier this year when people were saying, specific, I said, what are you running on it? What do you hope to run on it? Uh, and, looking at it I said, What's, and I'd look it up and see what the hardware requirements were for that piece of software. And basically, I never once came across any software that would require better hardware than what we're having as our standard stock. And my colleague says, why do you keep asking people these questions? Our stuff will do it. Because the majority of applications will run. Now, yes, there will be procurement officers out there who have special needs. You know, their companies have to do certain things. And maybe I can't help them. But yeah, the questions they should be looking at nowadays is what's the carbon footprint? And hopefully they'll understand that 
it's operational. Sorry, it's embedded carbon rather than operational, but that's significantly important nowadays. And the cost. I think post-Brexit, COVID, Ukraine, whatever you care to call it, the perfect storm, all those three things, yeah, everyone's focused on cost. And that's the most important thing. But I'd, yeah, to, to the people we're dealing with, that's the important thing. Uh, picking up on something else you said, Sean, a few minutes ago about margins. And that's very interesting because our traditional customer base, the resellers, you know, they are looking to make a margin on top of, of what they do. If they're buying new, they're, they are paying £900 and they can only sell to their customer at 1000 If they're buying from us at 300 they could sell to their customer for 500 550 much bigger margin. From, and end customers are still getting a fabulous deal. They're still getting a machine half the price. So for the resellers, and your procurement people you're talking about might actually be resellers. It's great. I, To be honest, I don't understand the beast, the procurement officer, myself, not come across many of them. So it's interesting to hear your questions. Do you think I've answered them? Yeah, I'm, I'm a lapsed procurement person myself, and I, I ah. think you have. I, I think the other point that you came out with as well, which is quite important from a procurement point of view, is specify the use. So, you know, what is it you actually want to run on, on this machine? Interestingly, I was having a, a, a similar conversation earlier this week with a, a procurement guy from 1NZ, which is New Zealand's largest telco. And uh, and he was uh, unsurprisingly talking about a lot of very similar things to you uh, on the opposite side of the world. So so, so this there seems to be a bit of a trend here. And he used an expression that I hadn't used before, but I suspect that IT people do: bloatware, bloatware, where there's a whole load of stuff running on your computer that you don't actually need. Ah. Yeah, uh, and and in his point was in, in terms of you know their procurement of IT equipment, what they try to do is to make sure that they're they're not running a whole load of stuff on their their machines that they they don't require. Therefore, they can buy secondhand machines because they they run perfectly well on the software that you actually need. Yeah, this you're quite right. I. I haven't heard it referred to as bloatware, but it sounds no, fairly, it be, fairly it be an Antipodean thing. Yeah. <laughs> but that goes back to what I was saying about cookies and things like that. You really should go through your internet browsing history, delete stuff, uh, check on the cookies, delete those, except for your favorite ones, obviously, if you Google or the rest of it. And just look, yes, I know on my laptop at home, I've got software on there that I haven't used in three years. And I know, considering the job I do, that I should delete it. But, you know, half past six, weekday evening, I think, oh, what's the football? We'll do that. And I know my wife's machine is even worse. I'm supposed to look after it for her. And I looked at her desktop and I thought, oh, God, no wonder it takes half an hour to start up. And that's, again, the thing. People will have software on there that always opens as soon as you start up the machine. Well, that's slowing your process set down. Don't do it. Change the settings so it will only come on when you want it to, when you're actually going to use it. It's... Not necessarily as easy as I just made it sound, but it can be done. And that will help. But yeah, bloatware, another word for us saying rubbish on your computer. Yeah. Bloatware sounds better than rubbish, doesn't it? It does rather, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I quite like the expression. I'm going to carry on using it now. But yeah, so, so there's something about the, the use of the machine. And I think so for procurement people, it's really actually 
understanding the need, which, you know, we, we should be doing as procurement professionals and really understanding what's required and then, you know, how that fits in with with a product like yours. So uh, we talked a lot. Final question from, from my point of view then. Where, as a business, where do you see the future? I mean, you've talked about various different markets that you're selling into and I, I guess eventually you'll need to settle in on the, the markets that suit you best and also, you know, being quite local where you are in Kent. Do you see the business growing? How do you see it going forward? That's an interest, a very interesting question because for me, from a personal point of view, I am focused on Kent and mm-hmm. the, and in the education sector. Uh, we are not southeast-centric. We have got a customer on the other sky. It doesn't buy that often. But we, we've, got customers, oh, we've got quite a few customers in the Republic of Ireland as well as in Northern Ireland. So we are not solely Kent-focused. I personally am. But what was, yes, really short-term, we want to get into the education establishments. We would like to get into some of the government procurement contracts because the government did announce a big thing a little while ago where they're going to spend $8 billion on IT and at least 50% of it was going to be on renewed. Unfortunately, all the little bodies within the government are just paying lip service to it because I see NHS specifications come out and I look at it and I say refurbished, renewed, da, 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 recycled. And then you look at system specifications and think that's a new machine you're talking about. Yeah, they're just it's, they're just not playing the game. And to get on to that, you've got to go government portals. You know, you've got to go through the hoops of these companies or put you into shape to get on to so you may win contracts, but they want twenty grand for doing it. No, we so we're sort of going in through the back door a little bit because yeah starting off with kent with the colleges they know us they like us they think oh kent local must support local business work with the local authority and i said to the extent that we have boosted out a another refurbisher and i get this they ship their laptops out to bahrain for the processing how's that carbon conscious how's that well, that's local, another local good business? question for a buyer to answer to ask actually where is this refurbishment done yeah, yeah, but I mean, in in terms, if I'm a buyer and I'm going out to a number of different sellers of uh, of refurbished machines, and as you say, there are some maybe that uh, that don't pay the attention that that you do to, to the quality. I'm very interested to understand that you know they're, they're exporting the refurbishments, so the and presumably they're flying them out and flying them back, so that yeah. the, the carbon footprint of the transport is probably greater than it would have been if you'd bought a new laptop in the first place. Well, we know they are the, that particular company I'm talking about are the preferred mm. supplier for the procurement arm of our local authority. It's a very big company, very successful. They supply everything for Kent, obviously, and the subsidiary councils and a lot of other local authorities. They're very good, but they only use this company that ships to Bahrain. I bet when they ask this company, where's the processing? They say, oh, we've got a plant here in Maidstone, wherever it is. Yes, they have. They've got premises there. Where they do they do some, pre- yeah. where they do do yeah. some work, so they're not lying. Yeah, but the the, the volume stuff goes out to Bahrain. Yeah, and and that again, from a procurement point of view, it's all about the quality of the question. Yes. So you know, yes, okay, fine. You've got you've got a factory in Kent, but where is the work actually done? And yeah, I, you I, can I, come and see it. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's for procurement people. I think that's a really really good question to ask. So yeah, interesting interesting case study. And I'm always happy that procurement officers do ask that question. And like I said, what are you going to run on it? Let me know. Because that will bring up anomalies. Okay. Oh, right. You're running the Adobe plus 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 or whatever it is. Yeah. That will require a special processor. So yes, I can do it with this machine, 
But instead of being 350, I'm going to have to put on a quad-core processor, which is going to make it 420. And then they're still looking at going, actually, no, here's an actual story. I was at an expo in Detling in Kent, where this chap who does a lot of design work came up and he said, right, I need a machine that's this, 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 and this. And I was going, uh, my technical director was also there. He said, oh, yeah, that would be, we've got to do a so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, that would, uh, at our prices, be £950. Wow, that's expensive. And the guy said, that's fantastic. I've been looking at machines at nearer 2500 so, yes. So, procurement officers say to, say to me, I wanted to do that. I'm happy that they've asked that question because 99% of the time I go, yeah, fine, our standard machines can do it, but it will isolate that one occasion and it'll avoid that scenario yeah. that you're talking about where it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you really don't want that. If you're going out on a limb and you're trying something new and something different that really makes a difference – the last, because you just need one person in an organisation to say that this is crap; it doesn't work. Then you're you're back to square one. So that's that's really useful advice for procurement people. I th- think also to uh, make maybe think of something that's quite important. Uh, I say we have a one year warranty. Mm. Uh, it's normally return to base, but you know we'll listen to them saying what's wrong. We'll say okay, that needs we need to have that machine back for a week. So we'll send out a replacement, and we'll. Yeah. So if you phone me up today and said this machine you sold with Tim is a pile of junk. I'd say, tell me more about it. Yeah, okay. I would have another machine on its way out to you tonight. Yeah. And and would collect the faulty one. If you said the battery's failing, we won't argue. Because mm. ba- batteries lie on test, yeah, according to the temperature in the room. And our machines are supposed to take account of the, temp- the ambient temperature, but they don't. And to be honest, it's not worth arguing about. We'll just ship a new battery out straight away. But we had one uh, yesterday. Customer bought from us uh, going to a school and the school complained uh, because these particular laptops were quite whizzy when they're what was called z-books or z-books but the power cable was not up to condition now i knew my md was delivering some machines to a bigger much bigger institution so i said nick would you mind dropping that charger in at so-and-so school he said no problem he brought the other one back the bloke's dog had chewed it so it's just, you know, something like that, even though these particular charges are quite expensive. Yeah, we're not going to argue. And that's the level of service we provide to people. Excellent. I think we're going to have to wrap because we, we've talked a lot about, <laughs> about a lot of things. And, and David's got a hell of a job to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so anyway, just to wrap. So, yes, yeah, thanks very much, Tim. I think this is a fascinating story and I, I think a really good case study for people to think about. And I, I think from a, a procurement and a sustainability point of view, challenge, you know, don't assume that, that new is the answer when it comes to technology. And, and you know, this week alone, I've recorded two podcasts in different parts of the world, one in the UK and one in New Zealand, that are saying the same thing. You know, consider what the real application is of the machine and then start to think about, do you really need a new one or can you buy a refurbishment? So it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Tim. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you for listening to our podcast on Sense and Sustainability. Please listen out for more episodes. For more information, learning resources, tools, and much more content on sustainable procurement, go to www.iso2400.org.